Good morning. Grace and peace to you. What a day that will be. Are you looking forward to it? I know that my Redeemer lives. Do you know that? How do you know that? By faith. By the word of God. This lesson is kind of a look back and a look forward. We approach a new year. You know, we could talk about resolutions, but nobody keeps them. Right? Be honest. The only time you ever keep anything is when you really have a stake in it, when you really believe in it. That's the only time you ever do something. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word is true. It cannot be denied. That's the way we live. That's the way God made us. If our heart is not in it, we won't do it. This time of year, we enjoy holiday gatherings. We're going to look back a little bit. Got one coming yet for most of us. Dinners. I think we should call them feasts, don't you think? The bounty that we have as we look around the world and see what people don't have. Feasts. The gift giving, able to give and give and give. Reunions, if you will, with family and friends, those we've not seen for a while. Celebrations of family and life and things that are good. Uh, reflections on the past and things that have happened, the good things usually. New faces, uh, marriages, people brought into the families, maybe births, new children. And Teresa over here is anticipating grandchildren, more grandchildren, and other things as we get together. But there's also a sad element in these get-togethers. Remembering those who are no longer with us. The death has taken them away. And their place at the table is empty. And their faces are not seen anymore. Grandparents, fathers and mothers, Maybe a spouse, a brother, a sister, a son, daughter, a good friend. No longer here. These remembrances are difficult and bring tears, both endearing tears. Loving memories and painful memories and renewed heartache because they're gone. But it serves again to remind us of the age-old truth, the foundational teaching in the Bible, this world is not our home. And that this life will be filled with troubles. There are a lot of good things and a lot of blessings God promises and takes care of his own, but there are also the things 
that come that are very difficult and hard. First Corinthians 15:32. As we consider these things, and Paul here in the middle of this chapter talking about the resurrection. Some there in Corinth have said it was past. Some are saying there wasn't even such a thing. And he writes, If from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And he's absolutely right. If all there is to life is a few short years, this body, some cash, a house, a couple cars. That's all you got. Life really is pointless, isn't it? It really is. There's no reason really to live if that's all there is. If the end, as we say, is just a dark hole in the ground and it's over. There's no reason to live. But you know what? And God has confounded us. And you know that even those out there say they're atheists. Those who don't believe in a resurrection, they don't live that way, do they? They do not live like that. They live as if there's something else. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, see, God has put that in us. He has made everything appropriate in his time. He has also set eternity in their hearts. We all have this sense, even though some of us will not admit it, that there's more, and there will be more. And we have this tremendous desire to keep living and to do better, and to do more, and to look forward to things. We understand that life is good. God is great. God is gracious. And God has given us more, hasn't he? He has given us much more. You know, as we said, we, you know, we look back and we recognize the realities of life and that life is fleeting and short and many are no longer with us in our families and among our friends. But now we anticipate in this lesson as we look forward, not necessarily to a new year, but to the rest of whatever God will give us. There is hope. There's a living hope. There is something better. There's coming a day. There's coming a day. That's becoming one of my favorite songs. It's in the top ten right now, I think. It's guaranteed by God. It's going to happen. And we'll look back, and he'll just say, 
okay, forget it. It's over. We're moving on. We're moving on into the really good stuff. I'm going to be working out of 1 Peter 1, three verses there, 3, 4, and 5. I'll be moving around a couple of different places. We don't know what the new year will hold. Might be wonderful and great, great blessings. We anticipate that. God takes care of us, but there might be some hard, hard bumps in the road, things we're not looking for. But we want to hold on to Christ and to his word and to his promises and blessings. That whatever it is, he'll get you through it, and all will be right in the end. 1 Peter 1 and 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God's great mercy. If God were not merciful, you know what a mess we'd be in? We would, we would have no, nothing to look forward to. We would be trembling in our boots. We would be, uh, if we believed in God, we would be at God's mercy, because he had not shown us mercy through Christ. And if we didn't believe in God, then there is nothing to look forward to at all. But he is a merciful God, and we thank, we're thankful for that. He has caused us to be born again. There is that concept. We cannot escape it. It's in Scripture all through the New Testament. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born of water and the Spirit. It's there. It's God's way. If you're not born of water and the Spirit, you don't have a future in Christ because you're not in Christ. That's how we get into Christ. But those who are in Christ, we've been born again to what? The living hope. A living hope. God is about life. We read in John where Jesus said, God gave me a command. The Father gave me a commandment. His commandment is life eternal. That's what he wants people to have, and that's why Jesus went to the cross, so we could have life eternal through him, sins forgiven. We receive his righteousness. We can have life eternal. It's a living hope because it came through Jesus. He conquered death. Death was not God's plan for man. He breathed into Adam the breath of life into his nostril. He might live. Jesus' resurrection, in that he is the forerunner, the first fruits. Paul calls him the last Adam in 1 Corinthians 15. The one who makes everything right in God's eyes. The one who fulfilled God's will, as we read a while back in Hebrews. The one who began, if you will, a new race, but through him we can be pleasing to God. Having Christ's righteousness. 
He's our champion in overcoming death, the grave, overcoming the world, as he says in John. Be good cheer. I've overcome the world. I have. Paul writes in 1 Timothy, the first verse, about Christ Jesus, who is our hope. He is our hope. He's the one we look to. He's the one who did it. By his grace, we can be in Christ, receive his gifts, his forgiveness. He is our hope. This brings to mind, let's go to Mark 12, talking about this living hope, this resurrection from the dead. And I think maybe sometimes we as Christians, you know, we hear it all the time, we believe it, and, and sometimes when you hear things a lot, you kind of just tend to put it in the background and you don't, re you know, focus on it and, and understand how important it is, how great it is, how wonderful it is. A resurrection from the dead. You know, this is something that the world in the time of uh, the apostles, when they were taking the gospel out there, people were laughing at that. What are you talking about? Come back from the dead? Are you serious? No. Paul was mocked in one place for saying that. But this is our hope, the living hope through Christ. In Mark 12, they're starting with 18. Jesus has his encounter there with the Sadducees. Uh, and uh, they were the ones who did not believe in the resurrection. Okay? Now let's, uh, let's read part of this. Some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and began questioning him, saying, you know, they were always looking for ways to trip up the Lord. Teacher, <clears throat> Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves behind a wife and leaves no child, his brother should marry the wife and raise up children to his brother. Now, that was true. Uh, that was part of maintaining the Hebrew family and the Hebrew heritage. And if a man didn't have any children and uh, he died, then his brothers were supposed to do that for him. Raise up children in his name, okay? It would be in his name and that would be his children to carry on his legacy. And 20 says, well, there were seven brothers and the first took a wife and died leaving no children. The second one married her and died, leaving behind no children, and the third likewise. And so all seven left no children. Last of all, the woman died also. In the resurrection, you kind of hear their little twinge in their voice. In the resurrection, when they rise again, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had married her. You know, I'm thinking at this time in their their smugness, they probably thought they had an airtight story, what if here, you know. How's he going to get out of this one, you know? How's it going to happen? If there's a resurrection, they didn't believe in it, you know, so this is why they're, they're throwing this out there. Then uh, who's going who's gonna to have her as wife? Well, of course, uh, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And Jesus sets them straight. He says to them, is this not the reason you are mistaken that you do not understand the scriptures or the power of God? And boy, you know, there is one for us to take to heart. Do we understand the scripture? 
Are we diligent to study them, learn them, dig into them, compare the, what we read with what we believe to know if, you know, what I've been believing up to this point, is it really in line with Scripture or not? And be willing, because Jesus is Lord and he wrote the book, to get rid of anything that is not in accordance with Scripture and start believing what it says. The Sadducees, sadly, had fallen into this trap. Jesus goes on to say, When they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Okay. So it's a whole different world. We get a spiritual body, as we read about in 1 Corinthians 15. It's not this kind of a body. And... Uh, it's not the earthly body, and there's not going to be marriage. It's not going to be that way. Different. But regarding the fact that the dead rise again, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush, you know, on Mount Sinai there, and Moses saw the bush, and it was not consumed, and God reveals himself through that angel, he says, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Did you catch it? Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had long died. God doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He says, I am. This indicates that they are, at least their spirits, still alive. And also indicates that God has every reason, every plan, and all the power in the world to bring them back in a resurrection. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Foundational truth. He's not the God of the dead but of the living. God is about life. This is something for us to remember as we encounter things and have problems. And, you know, someone passes on. There's hope in Christ. Guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus. Go back to 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 4, next verse. So we've been born again to the living hope <clears throat> to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. The main aspect of this inheritance is life eternal. And that, of course, is in Jesus. Titus 1, 1 and 2. Paul, a bondservant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is in accordance to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. Eternal life. Promised. Can't lie. 
That's part of the inheritance. That's the main part. There are additional aspects. We read in other places. We don't have time to go there this morning and all these other, you know, join heirs with Christ, new heavens and a new earth, all that will bring the restoration of all things from uh, Romans chapter 8. In Revelation, we see a picture of Jesus sharing his throne with those who conquer through him. We share in his glory and dozens of other things. It will be part of that inheritance. Far beyond all the great and good blessings we have in this life, which are wonderful and marvelous, and I'm not wanting to downplay them at all. I appreciate them. I hope I appreciate them as much as I should. But this inheritance is something else. It's reserved in heaven for you. I think that means that nobody can get to it. It's in God's safety deposit box. It won't rust, fade, corrode, or crack and not lose any value, Mike. Mike, it won't lose any value. Did you get any of it back? Mike was sharing with us, uh, was it Wednesday night? Yeah, about his retirement. And he said what happened with the stock market kind of put a big crimp in his plans and he wasn't going to be able to retire. And so, you know, maybe you got some of it back here at the end, end of last week. But This inheritance is no problem. See, that's the point. It's not going to lose any value. It's guaranteed by God. It's not based on man's values, anything in this world, money, gold, you know, nothing. It's somewhere else. Another dimension, another life which God is going to give to us. So it's guaranteed by God himself. So we need to ask ourselves the question, do we trust God with our future? Are we trusting God with our future? He has shown every reason why he is reliable and we can trust him. But sometimes we just want to do it ourselves and we just can't kind of cross that river to completely put ourselves into God's hands. We're kind of still holding on to something that I want to do. I can do it. No, you can't. We have our part to play, but it's always God working through us and for us. He's ahead of us with all these promises. Verse 5. who, meaning those who are born again, are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There will be a revealing. There will be a judgment. God knows those who are his. In the last time, it will be revealed at the end. John, yeah, John chapter 10, I was reminded here when it says uh, we're protected by the power of God. Here in John 10, we have the, the thoughts about Jesus being the good shepherd, and he says, I am the good shepherd. John 10, if you're ever down, if you're ever troubled, uh, there's a lot of places to go in Scripture. And like I've said before, don't just pray. 
Pray a lot, but go to Scripture also when you're struggling and have trouble. John chapter 10 is a great chapter. To renew your faith, to learn to trust God more, to hear the words of Jesus. I'm the good shepherd. I'm, I'm taking care of you. But these thoughts, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. All right? And right there is a little lesson. If you are listening to the voice of Jesus, you're one of his sheep. If you're not listening to the voice of Jesus, what are you going to do about it? It's a test. It's a test. Very plain and simple. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. I know them. I know who they are. No matter what they're going through, no matter how much trouble they're having, difficulties, what's happening, I know them. I haven't lost sight of them. And they follow me. Here's another little test. They follow me. In other words, they do what I tell them to do. They're going where I went. To help the sick, to help the needy, to proclaim the gospel, to love, to worship, to be a part of the people of God. They do what I do. You know, my, uh, my uh, followers will be where I go, where the master goes, so where his disciples, that's where they'll be. But then he says, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. That's in eternity. That's not talking about you won't die in this life. He says, I'm going to give them, and it is a gift through Christ. He says, I give them eternal life. They'll never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Here's this idea, you know, Peter just presented, protected by the power of God. No human being can do that. No government entity can do that. Satan can't do that. None of his evil spirits can do that. Snatch you out of Jesus' hand. Now, you might make a decision and walk away. That's different. But Jesus cannot be overpowered by any entity so that you are lost to him. And he will protect you that much. Because you're one of his. My father who has given them to me, all right, the father's watching over all this, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. You get the father involved as well as the good shepherd. That's that's, protect, that's a bodyguard, you know? That's what that is. That's a spiritual bodyguard that you have as you go through life. If you're a Christian. Satan is not going to snatch you out of Jesus' hand. To rely, rely upon Christ and on the power of God. One last thought here. The salvation ready to be revealed in the last time for all the world to see at the end, when it's over, when God hits the button, 
says, sound the trumpet, and you hear the voice. Wow. What a day that will be. It'll be over. I read in Acts, I believe it's in 17, where Paul is on Mars Hill. And Paul writes, or said, recorded by Luke, He has appointed a day. He has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. It's set out there somewhere. Somewhere. Only God knows. First Thessalonians 4, we're going to wrap up there. I know we've talked about some things that, that hurt, but, you know, this is, this is life. This is the Bible. This is the word of God. We have to face the hurts and troubles, the sin and all that, but then we also have the hope and the blessing and all the goodness. So we're going to end on a good note. All right? 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Some of those in Thessalonica were wondering about, you know, what happened to those who have gone on before? You know, where, you know, will we see them? What's the deal? So they needed some assurances. And Paul writes, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, those who have gone on or died asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. He's talking about those who are in Christ. Now there are some who have no hope. Well, we don't know who they are. I, you know, I don't, Try not to be a judge. I don't think we're here as judges, but we do preach the gospel and preach the word. Some of the scripture is quite plain about what it takes to be pleasing to God and to be saved. There are some who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus when it's over, when he comes back. They're, they're not forgotten. He's going to bring with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, there will be some left on the earth. Well, there will be a population of some kind. We'll not precede those who have fallen asleep. They, uh, they kind of have a privilege, those who have gone on first. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, I think there's two ways to look at that. First of all, they are going to be resurrected, but then they're also going to be rising up from the ground. As verse 17 will indicate, they'll rise, and they're going to keep rising. <laughs> they're going to keep going. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them, you see. As they are rising up out of the ground and on up, then we who are still alive will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. And that is the main focus of life eternal being with Jesus. 
our shepherd, our savior, the one who died to give us life, the one whom the, the apostle Peter, when Jesus was saying, I have to leave you now, and Peter says, where are you going? And that's when Jesus said, I'm going somewhere to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also, you see. He's the one we look forward to being with. Our loved ones, yes, they'll be there, but, you know, Jesus will be the focus because he's the one that made it all possible through the cross. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. We have a living hope. We'll be resurrected in the spiritual body, life with the Lord Jesus, life with those who have gone on before. There's coming a day when that will be reality. And the question is, will that be reality for you? Are you in Christ? Have you been born again? It's the greatest question to be asked of a person. Because on that hinges your eternal destiny. If you're not in Christ, if you've not been re received the forgiveness that comes through him, if you've not died with him in the waters of baptism, you don't have faith in him and what he did, your future is bleak. In fact, it's black. It's black. You have no hope. You see, Christ is the hope of the world, and he is our hope as Christians. So if you've not obeyed the gospel, then you have opportunity today. And if things I've said today touch your heart and you want to talk to me about it more or to Mike and Mike, then please do it. Don't let it fade away that the Holy Spirit has touched you through the word. Trying to get you to open up. If you are a Christian and you're struggling with things, maybe you're overcome by problems, troubles, questions about life. Maybe you've lost a few in your life and you're wondering about God. Where was He? Why wasn't He doing something? We have those questions. We have to trust. We have to believe what's written here. There's coming a day. It will all be right. Hearts will be eased, joyous again. If you need prayer, we're here to help you. Prayer for any reason. Whatever you might need the Lord, however we might help you on your journey, please come. Our brother Don leads us. Mm -hmm.